You're listening to The Diplomats Podcast on Asian geopolitics. As always, I'm your host, Ankit Panda, recording from Washington, D.C. And I'm your co-host, Katie Putz, reporting from the middle of the Pacific on the island of Hawaii. Hey, Katie, it's good to be back with you. How are you doing? Doing good. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Um, this one is going to be a little bit of a different episode. Uh, I want to flag that for our listeners uh, because we'll actually be talking about The Diplomats Magazine, which... Remarkably, this is hard for me to believe, uh, is at its 100th issue. So it's a big milestone. Uh, and Katie, I think it's especially great to obviously have you here for this discussion since you've been running this show for eight plus years now. Is that right? Yep. Uh, all 100 issues I have planned and, and executed, obviously, with much assistance from the rest of the Diplomat team. But uh, it is quite remarkable to me that we've gotten to 100 I was stressing over issue one just yesterday, I swear. Yeah, the time the time really flies. And, you know, I thought I thought there's a lot to talk about here because I remember um, when I was sort of involved day to day with editorial issues and we were planning the magazine. It was always a it was always a fun time because you sort of sit back and you think about the big picture in sort of geopolitical and geoeconomic and even social issues in Asia. And it was always a fun project to put together. And I thought it'd be good to sort of reflect on today's episode broadly about you know the magazine over the years uh, but also about issue 100 I think I think maybe that's the place to begin uh, is, is talking a bit about this issue uh, what's in it what are you excited about uh, and so why don't I just turn it over to you to walk us through what our listeners who hopefully are also subscribers to the magazine uh, can expect in issue 100 yes so uh, you know Issue 100 is the same magazine that our readers uh, will have hopefully come to rely on and it which pulls together the best articles from the website uh, with new exclusive pieces that present really this snapshot every single month of what's going on in Asia. You know, when we started designing this magazine, the intent was uh, a reader could pick up virtually because it's a digital magazine could pick up the issue and understand what's going on in Asia, regardless of which corner of Asia they are most interested in, it gives you the full picture. Um, but also this 100th issue is a celebration. So we've used the magazine's top four long reads, uh, we call them you know, the cover story, and then we call them three leads, uh, to highlight issues that we think are particularly salient as we look back on what we've covered and what we uh, foresee continuing to cover into the next 100 issues. So each of the these sort of major pieces in the issue uh, are both a callback to earlier issue, earlier issues and earlier pieces we've covered, um, but a, a new take on these topics and sort of to see what the trajectory in that those eight plus years have been. You know, the I'm I'm just so excited about the issue. It's very cool and was really fun to to put together. All the issues are fun to put together because I just kind of say to the other ed editors like, hey, what's going on? Like, what should we do? Um, and then uh, sort of put that together. But but this one is particularly cool uh, for for those sort of historical reasons and that sort of ability to look back on where we've come from uh, and see which issues keep cropping up over and over, which issues have changed remarkably. Uh, and so it's it's just a really fun issue. And so and so what are what are the contents here? What can we look forward to? All right, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a preview uh, in the the cover. 
the cover story is a callback to our very first issue. Uh, the very first cover of the Diplomat magazine was uh, uh, an article by Michael Pettis that explored the lessons Xi Jinping, who was at that point in, this was December 2014, he'd been in power for just two years, and the lessons that he could learn from Deng Xiaoping to advance China's economic, quote, reform and opening up into a new phase. Uh, the 100th issue, we have Sarah Xu uh, trace that economic trajectory since she came to power and take into account a number of the topics that we've covered throughout the magazine's time, you know, from the Made in China 2025 issue, uh, the Belt and Road, and, and G's various anti-corruption purges and campaigns, and sort of what these things tell us about China's, not just China's economic situation and trajectory, but uh, the interplay of politics in that trajectory and what's what's changed since, since that very first issue. So it's like a very cool cover. Um, I think people will get an awful lot out of that. Absolutely. That sounds extremely timely, uh, especially given the, the turning nature of economic fortunes within China now, uh, lower growth, um, you know, greater anxieties about, about real estate and so on and so forth. So really looking forward yep. to that. Uh, am I right that the next piece is about climate? It is. So, you know, climate change, I think, is uh, obviously one of the largest and most important global issues. Um, but, you know, nowhere is is climate change more of an existential threat and more of an immediate threat than in the Pacific. Um, and so we have John Lettman, who has written a number of pieces for both the magazine and the website. Uh, and he, he's based in Kauai. So he's, he's over on another island in Hawaii right now. Uh, I call him my guy in Kauai. And he put together a piece that not just looked at the issue of climate change in the Pacific, but really dove into uh, what Pacific communities are doing both on the global level and, and on the local level to deal with climate change and sort of lead on this issue. I think the Pacific gets talked about a lot in sort of a victim uh, narrative that is not necessarily untrue, but it's not always helpful. And, and the Pacific is really doing an awful lot. And this really reflects on, we've covered climate change in pretty much every country in Asia at this point, uh, many of them in the magazine. Um, but, it, you know, when we were putting together the very first couple of issues, the very first year of issues for the magazine, you know, this is when the Paris Climate Change Agreement was was negotiated. And there was a lot of questioning about what Asia's role broadly in combating and dealing with climate change is and should be. Uh, and the fact that, you know, as, as big as important as Asia is, the solutions to climate change are going to come from Asia. It's going to come from the Pacific. And so this really highlights, you know, the people who are at the forefront both of the implications of climate change, but also trying to kind of wake the rest of us up and, and do something about it. And so it's a it's a very cool piece. Um, and the climate change issue is certainly one that is not going to stop being relevant um, for for our audiences, regardless of whether your core interest is economics or security or, or social issues. Climate change kind of impacts all of those. Absolutely. Well said, I think. Yeah, it's definitely cross cutting. Um, and so going forward, I believe the next one is a little bit of a downer since it's about probably the country that has seen the more pessimistic turnover since the initial issue, uh, which is Myanmar. Yes. So we have a uh, longtime diplomat contributor, uh, Zachary Abuza, uh, back for issue 100 to reflect on Myanmar. Uh, you know, in the years since we started publishing the magazine, which was the very first issue, it was December 2014. I think there have been few countries in Asia that have had such a dramatic reversal of fortunes. It's really hard to remember, but 2014-2015 was a rather hopeful time when it came to Myanmar. The country was 
gearing up for its first uh, general elections since the, the military started relaxing since Aung San Suu Kyi was released from prison in, in 2010-2011. And, you know, that, that 2015 election brought back a civilian government and then the 2019 election returned that civilian government. And so, you know, there was this this swelling of hope, I would say, in 2014-2015. And we had some magazine pieces at the time that looked at the challenges for the, the new uh, civilian government, um, but also was sort of embodied this sense of hope that things are improving. Um, and, and obviously, we've also covered the dramatic reversal of that fortune, you know, in the, the February 2021 coup that the military reasserted power, and now we're, we're in sort of a protracted civil conflict. And so Abuza really traces this arc, um, both, you know, including some of that hope, but also the the, the red flags that that the military was not fully letting go of its power and the reasons that it, it reasserted itself. And so it is a it is a bit of a downer. Um, but, you know, I, I think Myanmar is a country that that can can sort of stand for that reality that sometimes that hope is followed by a downturn. Um, and and uh, I think it's an it's a really important piece uh, and we wanted to include it because um, I certainly think Myanmar in Asia is, is watched fairly closely, but I think globally there's less attention on Myanmar uh, since the coup. You know, uh, there's obviously Ukraine is happening. There's a whole bunch of other things going on in the world, but but I think we can't yeah. overlook Myanmar and what's happened there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and for listeners that are interested in digging in on Myanmar, um, Sebastian Strangio, the diplomat, Southeast Asia editor, and I uh, did a pretty detailed uh, deep dive looking at the kind of state of things on the ground uh, as of this is a few months old now, but you can find it in the uh, list of episodes uh, for this podcast. Um, and then I believe there's one more here, Katie. What's the what's the last one? Uh, the final one, uh, anybody who knows me will not be necessarily surprised by this, but the larger lo logic for this final piece is, you know, the, the cover story looked at China's internal dynamics, um, but China's domestic and, and economic story is only one piece of that puzzle. You know, in, in the eight years, eight plus years of the magazine, there really has been no story bigger than that of China's ongoing rise. Um, you know, in that cover, we look at its uh, internal dynamics, but China's geopolitical gravity, its sheer economic weight, its unavoidable pre presence on the, the global stage have had innumerable impacts on countries throughout Asia. Uh, in Central Asia, in particular, China's story has dovetailed with the region's autocratic political atmosphere, uh, its desperate development needs. And so we, we decided to turn to Tajikistan as a case study uh, for Chinese involvement in, in insert country around Asia. We asked uh, Sher Kashimov, who has written a number of stories for us before, to return to the magazine and really highlight the myriad ways that China has deepened its involvement in Tajikistan over the years, but also tying many of the domestic circumstances in Tajikistan that we covered in the magazine, uh, such as the the country, the anniversary of the country's uh, civil war. Uh, it was one of the, the first dozen issues or so. Um, tying that to the geopolitical story, uh, because you can't really separate these things so neatly. It's about economics, it's about security, it's about foreign, it's about domestic affairs. And these things are all inextricably tied together. And so this is a really neat piece that that highlights that trend that we have covered a number of times in the magazine, China's involvement in a certain country. Um, and I would like to say that we, we do it in a way where it's not just China is the actor that comes in and bosses around a smaller country. These smaller countries have autonomy and they have you know agendas of their own uh, and that's reflected in the ways they engage with china and what it is that they get out of that arrangement and i think it's important to 
take that view of China's involvement in countries, because um, I think sometimes it can get simplified to big bully China coming in and telling another country what to do. Uh, these countries have their own agendas. And so part of this piece really serves to highlight what Tajikistan gets out of that arrangement and how it's sort of played that game, too. Hmm. Interesting. That reminds me, we haven't done a Central Asia podcast in a while, which we'll have to rectify yeah. maybe maybe later we, in March. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get back to it. <laughs> Great. Um, well, Katie, I mean, again, I think this is an incredible milestone. I think listeners, you know, I think everything Katie just said should basically speak for itself in terms of just how, uh, how thought out and um, broad spectrum the magazine is and in, in how it basically helps you understand Asia, uh, really. I mean, every every cross-cutting issue, every region uh, is is eventually covered. Um, so congratulations again, Katie. I wanted to ask you, you know, looking ahead, uh, any 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 big plans for sort of the future of the magazine or more of more of the good stuff that's been coming for the last eight years? You know, I, I don't always like to show my cards so much, but, uh, you know, our previous podcast actually was a little bit of a, a preview. We're kind of keeping an eye on nuclear proliferation, for example, in Asia might make an appearance in an upcoming issue. Uh, there's obviously always elections and non-elections across Asia to to keep uh, track of. Uh, I think the economic piece with regard to China is is something that we are absolutely going to have to come back to. Um, in both a domestic sense for what it means for China and the Chinese people, but for the the global implications of of the decisions that China makes with regard to its economy, uh, there's just there's so much. You know, whenever somebody asks me, you know, what it is that I do, and I tell them, and I'm an editor who works on Asia stuff, they always tell me, well, what's going on in Asia? I'm like, a lot. I, I don't know how to simplify it. There's a lot going on, um, and and so uh, you know, I can sometimes get a little rambly when I start talking about all the things that are, are happening, but. You know, Asia is is contains multitudes, uh, and so I'm just trying to keep track of them. Um, if anybody ever has ideas, if they think I haven't covered something, I'm totally down to take uh, suggestions. Uh, and and it's just uh, it, it is quite an honor to get to do this, and and I'm excited to continue to make magazines. Well, fantastic. Uh, I think I think we'll end it there, Katie. But this was this was fun to kind of stop for a bit and reflect on eight plus years of hard work on the magazine. I just a little bit different from what our listeners are used to, but uh, hopefully uh, if you are listening and you aren't yet subscribed to the magazine, uh, you really should. Uh, there's there's a tremendous backlog, first of all, to dig into. Uh, and uh, of course, great new and timely content to uh, come uh, that'll help you understand Asia. I, I, I like that for the unofficial tagline of the magazine. You know, there's a lot going on in Asia. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, there just is, you know, I could say it uh, in a more intelligent way, but uh, I'm not going to. There's just a no, lot I going think, on. I think I think I think I think that's I think that's uh, accurate, uh, certainly. Um, but I think we'll leave it there, Katie. Uh, thanks a lot for joining me. Uh, looking forward to the new issue of the magazine. Uh, for listeners, if you uh, like what you heard, make sure you subscribe to the show so you can keep up with future episodes. And if you've been a subscriber for a while, please do leave us a review or a star rating. You can do that anywhere you get the show. And as always, uh, do write in with your suggestions for future episodes. We're always happy to take that into consideration as we plan. So uh, thanks again, Katie, and uh, talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Aloha. <laughs>